Hello and welcome to another episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. In today's episode, we continue down the road of understanding CMMC, its regulations, and controls. Up next is AC.L2-3.1.3, Control the Flow of CUI in Accordance with Approved Authorizations. We'll break down what this control means, why it matters, and how it impacts your organization's cybersecurity posture. We'll also provide practical insights and strategies for achieving compliance and securing your systems effectively. So whether you're a defense contractor aiming to win more contracts or simply someone interested in bolstering your cybersecurity knowledge, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, president of On-Call Compliance Solutions and a, and a CMMC professional assessor. How you doing, Mike? Hey, I'm awesome, Miriam. How you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm ready to jump in. So, Mike, today we're talking about CUI. We've talked about CUI before on the podcast, but this is the first time it specifically appears in, in the title of these controls. It's a well-known acronym in, in the defense sector and for us here at OnCall, but for those in our audience who may need a little clarity, what is CUI and how does it relate to this control? Oh my gosh. The number one question that we get, what is CUI? Um, it's a great, great, great question. You know, I, I always tell people when we head into our consultations, when they ask that question, that there are two definitions of CUI. I'm going to give you a general definition, which is a definition that I think makes it easier to understand generally what should be protected. And then, you know, I'll dive into a more specific definition. So the first, first thing is if, a, if an employee asked me, and I was a manager, what is CUI? I would say, hey, listen, CUI is anything that is non-public and defense in nature, period. All right, if it is not something you could Google and it is, has anything to do with our defense work, that's CUI. That's, again, is that the right definition? No, it's probably not the right definition, but it is definitely going to be all-encompassing as far as what CUI is. Uh, and ultimately that is what CUI is. It's non-public information. That's why it's considered to be controlled. And then, of course, it's defense in nature. So that's going to cover CUI, and maybe it's overly broad, but I think it's a really great way to explain it to employees. Now, what is the real definition of CUI? Well, you know what? For every organization, CUI is going to be different. What we do with our clients is if you look at Section 2 of the government-issued NIST SP-800-171 System Security Plan, it will issue a... Um, it, it says, hey, look, you know, describe the types of CUI. What we do is we go out to the CUI registry, and we will read through that list of every single category of CUI. And if necessary, we will actually dive deeper into the definition of what each category of CUI is. And ultimately, for the organization in your system security plan, you should have a comprehensive list of any kind of information that matches that category. And you should name the category of CUI that may potentially or is currently storing, processing, or transmitting that kind of information or that kind of CUI. Once you have been through all of the CUI categories and you can, you know, with someone who knows the system and knows the information in the system, then at that point you can say, hey, listen, this is the specific kinds of CUI that are in my system. You know, and, and I have to tell you, there are a lot of those categories that are very broad based. So in other words, there are a lot of categories that, you know, a great example is personally identifiable information. Okay, personally identifiable information First off, you should be keeping that controlled anyway. Defense or not, people's social security numbers are sensitive information. There are laws about, about that stuff getting out. It needs to be controlled. It needs to be access controlled. Uh, ultimately, 
when it comes to you know those things is that CUI. Great area, right? But it's not a great area. The bottom line is, is that if you were to look at that record, and if that record has that person tied to the defense work, then yes, that person's personally identifiable information is CUI. Now, that's kind of honestly rare. Some government contracts will require the naming of certain specialists so that the government knows who is working on that project. I don't see that very often, but it does exist. And in those cases where those people are specifically named in the contract uh, or even a subcontract, then yes, at that point, then that person is now tied to the defense work and their social security information is CUI. However, if you let's say that you know your contract is to deliver a certain piece of a tank or an airplane, okay, you're not naming one of your employees in that contract, and therefore the people working on the contract are not CUI. You know that that information is not CUI. That is just nor normal, ordinary business proprietary information. I think it's a very important thing that really there's just not a lot of precedent on. There's not a lot of people who are out who are who have really analyzed exactly what is CUI and what's not, even when it's a named category. Uh, but we have, and we work with some of the folks in the government to really get a good understanding of what do they what do they mean by this? Again, if it is not specific to the contract, it is not CUI. Um, very, very important principle. So this is another thing you know that I'll add on and layer into the into the description of it is, if it is not something that is specifically there to deal with the defense work, then it is not CUI. Okay. Um, now, does that mean that CUI will always come to you marked? No. Okay. We all have heard the stories that the DOD is not even marking CUI. You internally at your company are going to develop CUI and you have to market it appropriately. So you can't count on the idea that it's going to be marked and obvious. You just can't. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but that argument is just simply not going to fly. It didn't fly in the Aerojet rocket dying case. It didn't, it didn't fly in the Cisco case. Uh, it's not going to fly at any point in time. You're responsible for understanding CUI in your organization. And what I'd say is, listen, if, if you're stumbling all over this question and, or you're having problems getting the executives in your organization to buy in on this kind of stuff uh, and understand what these definitions are, one, send them to our podcast. Two, this is, this is really the area that we tremendously help our clients in. We help them understand what it is. We help them narrow the scope and limit what has to be compliant and create those enclaves that save a ton of money in terms of getting compliant. And most importantly, we help make sure that there's a clear understanding without gray areas of what it is that has to be done. Great, tremendous question. Oh, absolutely. The uh, the protection of controlled unclassified information is vital in the, in the defense industry. So while this may be the first time it appears in these controls, it won't be the last. But this control zeroes in on CUI and who has access to it. So what are the key assessment points that an assessor would be looking for on this particular control? Man, that's a great, uh, that, that is a great question. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, what I'll do is I'll pull open uh, a sample plan just so I can kind of be correct in my answering of that. Give me just one second here. Uh, let's see. You hit me with one, and, and you know, normally I can kind of answer these things off the top of my head, but on this one, uh, it's a precise question which deserves a precise answer. So exactly, exactly. Uh, CUI flow. All right. Uh, so, first thing I'm looking for determine if information flow control policies are defined. Great. Uh, you know, so this kind of goes in with what do you have to do to actually have satisfaction for this control in place? Number one, you need a CUI flow control policy. As a matter of fact, actually, when we are working with our clients nowadays, 
what we do is we have a written description of what system CUI touches. And then we have an actual flow chart, like literally a little, it's a simple bubble diagram uh, that, dis, that defines where does CUI flow. And then in the next column, it, it defines a CUI flow control mechanism. In other words, what is the mechanism where you're controlling that flow and where approvals have to be? So first assessment point is, do you have some kind of policy around where CUI can flow? And short of that, you're not complying. Uh, again, you want the easy button? We have all these policies already built out. We customize them during our consultations. It's really something that I think is tremendously difficult to understand if you've never been it through been through it before. Um, you know, it kind of gets me into a, a, another topic. I'm going to try to not go off on a tangent here, but you know, there are IT departments who are genuinely afraid of us coming in to look at you know, compliance, because they know that we're going to be taking a hard look at their IT systems. They know we're an outside third party, you know, and they're just afraid of what we're going to find. I totally get it. We're not sitting here looking for incompetent IT people. That's not what we do. As a matter of fact, we're hoping that we're hoping that you are very competent. Uh, and, you know, ultimately it's not going to get you in trouble, but, you know, the questions that we're going to be asking are questions around the systems you have in place and what it is that you're doing to make sure that you can control the information in your organization if you can't hand me a policy or something written that says, hey, look, this is how we authorize people to get access to you know, sensitive information, this is a clear sign that I think you need to mature up your systems. And so as a result, what we actually really wind up doing is working with IT departments and IT, you know, even single IT people or even small businesses. We help them mature very rapidly what their processes should be. We help them understand, hey, how do you make it so that somebody doesn't get access to something they shouldn't have access to? How do we make access control systematic, right? So it doesn't fail. Um, it's a huge part of it. Second, second assessment point, determinative methods and enforcement mechanisms are, are, for controlling the flow of CUI are defined. You know, again, those methods are going to be defined in that flow control diagram where we, where we talk about what the flow control mechanism is. You want an example of a flow control mechanism? Cool. Uh, you know, the login system for Azure government to get at your Office 365 GCC High OneDrive where you have you know, covered defense information store. Great example of a flow control mechanism. You've got logins, you've got multi-factor authentication. All of those are uh, flow control mechanisms and you've got to define them somewhere. Now, where's a place you could define them? For one thing, you can define them in your system security plan. So that's an alternative. You can actually define it right here in the plan. Second, you can also, of course, have a separate policy, which is obviously what we recommend and what we do for our clients. Next, determine if designated sources and destinations, i.e., networks, individuals, and devices for CUI within systems and between interconnected systems are identified. So uh, are we identifying the boundaries of where CUI flows and doesn't flow? Um, the sources, the destinations, uh, you know, within systems and between interconnected systems, is that all identified? That might be identified in a network diagram. It might be identified in your CUI flow control policy. Uh, lots of different ways to define that, but definitely, again, this is, this particular control is all about you having documentation to justify that you aren't just sort of willy-nilly doing things in an untrackable way. Um, again, if it was just typical business proprietary information, maybe not such a big deal, but the DOD is going to want to trace back where the problem originated. All right. There are big time consequences when there's a failure there. Next, in turn of authorizations for controlling the flow of CUI defined. Do we define how those authorizations are made? Do we know who the person is that's authorized 
to make the request for access. Do we understand that? Um, you know, how is this done? Is it done through your IT ticketing system? Is it done through an email? Is it done, you know, how, how does it get done? Obviously the best scenario is that it's done through an IT ticket or some sort of a ticket request system. So that there's a forever record of it as opposed to email where, you know, who knows if you can find it later. Finally, determine if approved authorizations for controlling the flow of CUI are enforced. Now, this is a big one. It's really tough to prove. So the only thing you can really do is show them written documentation and then an assessor is going to interview someone and say, hey, is this really how it happens? That's kind of how we prove it. But if you don't have the documentation to begin with, well, then you're in deep trouble because basically, you know, you don't have anything for the assessor to say, this is how it should be running. And now let me interview someone to verify that, yes, this is how it's done. Uh, again, I, I think that being prepared for assessment is critically important. It's something we do with all of our clients, even better when they allow us to be a virtual compliance officer for them. Uh, you know, we're, we're essentially helping them to make sure that they're going to give the right answers and they understand the context around these things. Uh, but again, there must be some method of proving that authorizations uh, are controlled uh, when it comes to CUI. So yeah, those are the assessment points uh, and um, you know, terrific questions. And again, it, it really begins to lay out the level of documentation that you need to have. Uh, I think we have something like 19 different policies that we're delivering in our current, um, our current assessment package. And you know, I got to tell you, it's taken years for us to develop that kind of documentation. And you know, it's an intensive consultation where we go and customize all of that to the client. Um, trying to do that on your own, I think, would be difficult. But hey, that's how to do it. So allowing CUI to flow safely where it's authorized and stopping the flow where it's not is hugely important to keeping CUI safe. So can, can you give us, and you've already touched on this a little bit, so feel, feel, feel free to elaborate and reiterate some things. Can, can you give us a practical example of what compliance with this control looks like and or explain the dangers of non-compliance with this particular control? Yeah, great question. And I think we've, we've definitely talked a good bit about you know how to how to comply with the control you know it's it's a combination of practices having written policy making sure people are trained on that policy and they know how how access should be given all of those things are are important now what's the danger what's the danger of not having having this in place that's where i think maybe you know some relevancy comes into play uh, if you don't have something like this in place what's going to ultimately happen is someone's going to go to a junior it guy or they're going to go to someone in the company who has access, who should not be the person granting access, that person's going to give permissions where they really are not allowed to. And then all of a sudden you're gonna have people in accessing CUI that shouldn't. It's gonna create a wider footprint for vulnerability. It's gonna create more people that have access to this stuff. And it's gonna really create a substantially higher risk than is necessary when it comes to protecting CUI. Uh, again, all of this boils down to a fundamental concept, which is, least access necessary to perform your currently assigned job duties. If you don't need access to it to do your job, you shouldn't have access to it. And, you know, really NIST spends a lot of controls and effort trying to explain that simple concept uh, because I think it takes that, that it takes a more complex, um, it takes a more complex explanation, frankly, you know, it's not going to be something that, you know, you can just sort of say, yeah, we have this in place. It, it's, you know, you have to prove that it's in place and you've got to make sure that, um, you know, you've just got to simply make sure that, uh, you know, you've got both documentation and practices to back it up. 
Because again, a lot of times when CUI access or is, is accessed inappropriately, it's ultimately because what happened is somebody who shouldn't have had access then somehow botched it and gave access to some outsider or somebody that they shouldn't have because again, they're not properly trained to handle it in the first place. Um, again, the more we limit who's got the access, the safer that information is. Absolutely, that's great information. So that's that's all the serious stuff we have. You know what comes next. It's our favorite part of the podcast uh, where we where we get a little silly, and this one is is good. Um, so this is our silly question. If we're talking about CUI flow, anytime you talk about flow, you talk about leaks. Are there such things as CUI plumbers to prevent CUI leaks to unauthorized users? Absolutely. And uh, you know what? Just call us Mario. <laughs> um, you know, that, that I would I would say that's really, you know, you know, a little self-promotion, right? So I think when you hire us, you're you're eating the magical mushroom and you're and you're supersizing your capabilities. You know, I think uh, the answer is, you know, the typical organization that we walk into doesn't really understand information security. The IT staffs are focused on keeping things up and running. That in itself is a big job. They're focused on, uh, you know, just it's like pulling teeth to keep things upgraded. Uh, you know, and, and just relevant and keeping, you know, security in general up and running. Uh, cybersecurity is no joke. It's a scary thing. Um, so, you know, I think that in that aspect, IT guys already have their hands full. Compliance is not just an IT task. So, you know, what we do is we essentially come in and we look at the entire plumbing system. We, uh, we tighten up all the nuts and bolts. We make sure that the IT system is ready to rock and roll. Uh, and, and not just IT as far as computers, but I mean, you know, paper, paper stuff, you know, the how information is flowing around the floor. Do we have, you know, issues with other kinds of compliance like ITAR and EAR? We'll spot that. And that is exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for leaks and we're looking to make sure that we stop the leaky pipes, stop any chance of that stuff getting out and having a breach. Uh, and boy, I got to tell you, one thing that I think is probably worth more than the price of admission for any of our consultations is, if the clients will let us, we do a, an inside-out risk assessment. NIST mandates that you do a risk assessment on the IT in the organization. Most companies, even large ones, have not done a recent risk assessment. Okay, uh, The risk assessment that we were able to do uh, across our consultations, even in just a day or two, provide so much insight on those systems and so much more information than the IT staffs ever had before because of the tools we use. I just really, I mean, I'll tell you, it's worth the amount of money that we charge for the whole compliance package just to find out what the reality is from an outside neutral third party of how secure uh, the pipes are in your plumbing system, right? So uh, yeah, you know what? I think I think plumbing is a very, very good analogy because the last thing you want is an information leak. That's when you really start getting in trouble. You know, I have to tell a story. We were just looking uh, at a job candidate. And I, I have I have rarely seen this, but we were looking at a job candidate and, um, you know, there was nothing particularly on their criminal records uh, that was was really, you know, something that alerted us. But then they had this thing called they're on the they're on the SAM exclusion list. And it scared the heck out of us. And so we called, you know, anyway, we did a little research on this person. And I want to share with you the, the issue that that this particular person has. Uh, was that there was an information leak and it was tied back to his work in the military. This person cannot be awarded a federal contract, okay? 
I think sometimes our, you know, the, the private businesses in America don't realize how serious this stuff is. Defense work is amazing. I love it. It is incredible work. It can't shut down in a pandemic. It can't shut it down because of a hurricane. Uh, once the government starts ordering from you, you know, you get the purchasing in the, in the contracting officers on your side. All they want to do is repeat order from you. They're, you know, you're like their favorite person because you're qualified to, to buy from. But it is absolutely real that if you're not controlling the information and doing your job by law to protect this information, you'll get banned from winning business. There is a thing called the SAM exclusion list. It is real and it is scary. And, um, you know, again, when we come back to this control, we talk about CUI authorizations. I think this is really where it, where it all starts. And it's also why it's, you know, number three out of 110. It's one of the first things they make you address. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's, you know, a great place where we can really help. And again, by the way, as a result, you know, we can't hire this person. We just can't, you know, we can't bring them in. The risk factor is too high. And last thing we can do is, is deal with a company or a person that's on that SAM exclusion list. Might be useful for our audience to know that, in fact, yes, there are individuals who can be put on that exclusion list. The blacklist is real, as they say. You know, you mentioned just call us Mario. I was more of a Luigi man myself. When you grow up with older siblings and you sit down to play Super Mario, uh, you never get to be Mario <laughs> when you're the younger sibling. So you always get to be Luigi. So I was always more of a Luigi man myself. And fun fact for our listeners, or, or if you're watching on YouTube, I, I just learned this, thought it was cool. What Mario says in the games is not, it's a me, Mario, as in he's telling you his name, because he's an Italian plumber. But it's actually, if, if I'm saying this correctly, it's a me, which is the Japanese word for super. So he's hmm. literally saying Super Mario every time he says that. That is pretty so, cool. So that's a nice little fun fact for our for our viewers on YouTube and our listeners on our the podcast platform. Uh, that he's not actually I, saying my name is Mario. He's saying Super Mario. I think that's like the coolest thing ever. I love learning Italian because you know what? I love Ferraris and uh, you know I love Italian things like pasta. So you know what? Well, I no, think... actually, if I if I'm not mistaken, like I said, I think it's Japanese because the makers of oh. Nintendo were Japanese. Oh man. Hitting us if with I, the trivia today, Rowan. If I, I'm I'm a trivia nerd, I can't help it. When, when I learn something that I sh probably maybe don't need to know, I'm like, I need to remember that forever. You know. Man, I think that's the coolest thing. <laughs> See, learning compliance and Japanese all in one podcast. There you go. Uh, and the new Super Mario movie is very very good. If you have kids or if you just like animated movies, it's a very good movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, my kids just got a Nintendo Switch, so I'm all I'm all on the Mario Kart right oh, now. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and that wraps up another insightful episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to extend our heartfelt appreciation to Mike once again for joining us to talk about CUI and a little bit about Mario. Thanks, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. The conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. And go ahead and respond to us on social media and confirm for us if Isami is Japanese or Italian so we know for sure. Uh, share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform to be the first to know when new episodes like this one are released. 
And, and we truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps helps us to continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us on next time as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.